Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by Betsmurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, it is Monday. We have one final division to record our thoughts before we get into this regular season. The preseason is in the books. No more preseason NFL. Um, we got through mostly unscathed in terms of injuries, I guess, outside of the Baltimore Ravens, who can't seem to catch a break here. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, this is, I hope you had a good weekend. Uh, you, you about ready to put a bow on the season previous? <laughs> yes, it is time to put a bow on it. And yes, it, it's been a good pre, just like, I haven't got too involved. It's been smaller bets, but it's just when you see stuff, there's a lot of good live betting opportunities. Like everybody who watched the 49ers start, it's like, oh, like this is a this is gonna work. And then I looked when the 49ers were crossing right at midfield, they're at one of the 49s, zero zero. Their first half team total was 12 and a half. I'm like, wow. Like, we'll give that a tickle. And of course they score on that. I get, I'm just not to like, Oh, look at me. I'm so good at preseason, but I've been extremely lucky with like preseason live betting. Like everything has worked. Like a lot of times that ends up probably with 10. I think they ended up with 20 points at half. Didn't they? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. And so you're basically, you're saying that the live markets are already dialed in. Yeah. I don't know. Like I felt like that should have been, they could have gone to 14 and a half quick with that, the way that offense, it's hard to do that without any points on the board, but, and it, it went up pretty quick. I almost came in back at an under of, I think when I got to 17 and a half or something never did worked out. College was fun. There wasn't much of it, but oh yeah, my guy Matoy gave me a, uh, Give me a UCLA ticket. Everybody and their sister gave me a, uh, UTEP. what was it? UTEP ticket. UTEP, yeah, UTEP yeah, ticket. UTEP, UTEP, very solid. Yeah. UTEP second half minus seven might have been a yeah. ticket also. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Golf. That was, was awesome. Buck wild. We're getting into Ooh. some awesome tennis starting now. Golf was super, uh, super good this weekend. I, I don't know. Like dominated. I don't know. About, I'm very happy about my golf performance. I don't know about good. Like they can take that course and fire it into the sun. I never <laughs> want to see. I never want to see that course. Are like, you just bitter small. because there are guys that beat your score? <laughs> I don't know. No, did they? I think I shot lower. I'm gonna. Have what to did check. you shoot? What did you? I'm shoot? gonna. Sh I'm gonna shoot four rounds. I'm gonna. I'm gonna shoot for minus thirty. I'm actually embarrassed. Nobody got to minus thirty. <laughs> so no, well, uh, it, it just. It's just terrible golf to watch that sort of thing. Although yeah, I did have some. I did have a couple nice uh, wins and a few of the. I was doing a lot of underdogs. Honestly, it's a if you have a shit course like this, great underdog betting for head to heads once you get That's into the tournament, because well anybody can go out there and shoot sixty two all of a sudden. Or sure. if you have guys that are even close, if you're getting a decent dog price, I took a bunch of underdogs. A lot of it was just I had a I had two pushes on some like plus one fifty matchups, which sucks. I could have taken them at the plus half a stroke, which I don't often do, but no, it was a overall fun weekend. Kind of, I kind of went off the grid. Honestly, it's one of my last weekends before we really get into the NFL season because next weekend's uh, pretty involved with fantasy for me. And actually, God, that's a hell of a segue. That is a hell of a segue, Andy, that you didn't even mean to do. Before we get into the Cardinals, I do want to mention, we didn't give it a lot of shine, but we don't do much fantasy here other than giving out the lock 
of the the DFS lock of the year every week, year on week one. It's Evan Ingram this year, even Although though it's kind of a bad. He got hurt, didn't he? Yeah, he did got hurt. It's kind of a bad team too. But yes, we did acquire four for four. I've been a fan of those guys. Drew and I actually appeared on their show last year multiple with Ryan times. and Connor. I'm a multiple yeah. time guest yeah. on the four for four betting podcast. We've had a lot of fun talking to those guys, but they are a part of the family now. And I think, honestly, I think this promo code is going to be ongoing. But if you do want a fantasy subscription, I think you can get DFS optimization. You can get fantasy articles, everything you want over there. They do have a 25% off subscription right now with using BS25. And I think the BS stands for bet spurts and not Mm. what the other thing is. Bullshit 25 bullshit 25 but yeah 25 percent off ain't bad and and they do keep their prices pretty reasonable it's lower than some of the competitors so uh welcoming them and hopefully we're gonna do some crossover stuff with them over the season cannot wait that red makes me think of the sea of red down in arizona and glendale glendale arizona the uh the the very outside the city of Phoenix uh, excerpts. Not really that far. Out Boy, there. we have two of these. With the one on Wednesday when we get to the Niners, the oh, yeah, jeans is like an jeans, hour from Santa downtown. Clara, California. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, an yeah, hour, it is, it is an, hour an hour with no traffic. <laughs> it can yeah, be quite a lot longer if you don't pick the right time. Although, who the hell knows now that they have uh, work from home? Maybe traffic's not that bad up there. Who the hell knows? Yeah, that's turned into a thing. Eight and eight let's last talk, year, though. Let's talk about they the improved, cards. didn't they? Oh yeah, big time they improved. Of course, yeah. No, twenty nineteen was um, was a rough, uh, rough, rough go for them. They were five, ten, and one uh, with the notable tie against the Lions week one when we were in Vegas last. How did that go uh, for yeah. NFL? I hate um, that you have to keep reliving that. I'm sorry. I know it's great. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the Lions Cardinals got me last year too um, because we had a massive price on over 51 i want to say week three that closed about 56 55 56 landed <laughs> and on they 49, scored 49 i can tell you that uh i landed on 49 there was quite a lot of field goals in that game a the lot last three scores i remember it was at 40 it was at 40 yeah and it was yeah, like that's field right. Goal, field goal, field goal. Yep. There was a missed extra point. There was all, so many things went against us in that one. That was just. That was a good play. Garbage. I'll go to the grave saying that. I agree. Well, I mean, when you get that much CLV, you know you're on the right side. So, and and you know, and honestly, when you don't win those plays after that much CLV, like you know, then you'll have other, you, more opportunities down the, the road. Yeah. When you get negative CLV like that, you always lose that. I remember. We just oh yeah, that's true. Remember when we didn't check the weather report and we got excited about the Raiders Cleveland over, and that moved like eight points against us. That was, that was my that was my biggest was... CLV loss of like the last five years. Ever? No, I, I, <laughs> was I couldn't. I couldn't find something bigger. I've been on. I had a bigger CLV win when I think I think I had the Bears the year that Stafford got scratched, and it was the Jeff Driscoll show. Maybe uh, we had one of those. I, at the or was the da- was it the David well. David Plow David Plow? Mr. Blau, um, he came. One of those games, I had like six points with CLV on a side, and it was it was it was it was glorious. Um, but yeah, no, this is the the. I bet on a lot of Cardinals games last year. Now that I re- reliving, looking up and down the schedule here, they started off the season incredibly, incredibly solid start to their season. Five and two heading into their bye week, including an us a, a week one massive upset over the Niners. I think they were seven or eight point dogs. They went outright on the road against the defending Super Bowl runners up 
the defending NFC champions. They went to their house and they hung an L on them. Uh, they backed it up with an impressive multiple touchdown win against the Washington football team. Uh, that was the Dwayne Haskins era football team, though. So they were pretty bad offensively at that time. Uh, they lost to the Lions, which was a shocker. They lost to the Panthers, which was a shocker. But then they comfortably handled the Jets, the Cowboys, and then eked out an overtime win against the Seahawks. And so you went yes, into that bye week yeah. thinking this team is headed for the playoffs, right? Middle yeah. season last year around Halloween, we were probably yeah. thinking, man, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are taking these guys to the playoffs, right? And that, that's what we'd be sitting here and everybody in the offseason would be looking at this team so differently, especially one of the things, if you're watching this on YouTube and you look down the chart on the side, it says Cliff hot seat. Actually, there's no question mark, but there's, <laughs> then there shouldn't be. He is on the hot seat. Hot seat? If, if, they, if they win one more game, they're in the playoffs, obviously. I mean, they would have been in the playoffs with one more win. That's just yes. how the math worked out. And this is a whole different narrative. All right, he got him to the playoffs now. Now we'd be talking Cliff take the next step. We wouldn't be talking Cliff hot seat. And I think it's tough. It's tough because it might be a little unfair. You know, you you really did illustrate well. Like there was a, like a division point in the season, oh, and yeah. some of it, some of it, I do got a slap on the the Murray shoulder injury. Like just what happened down the Ooh. you know the, the, you know what happened down the stretch. The, the amount of times he ran, the amount of times he had actually drawn up runs, knowing, I mean, the coaching staff knew they shouldn't be running him as much. Yeah. And he was so efficient running the ball, not even, not only like on scrambles, but when they just called it like Lamar, like he's uber efficient. And it, it's this weird catch 22, because if you, if you limit your, his running, obviously you're limiting your winning because he has such a high EPA when he runs. But the more he runs, the more he's likely to get hurt because he's a little shortstop. So it was it's 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 a tough conundrum. But again, that, that's what happened. And I did have the weirdest fun fact as I was searching through this. Oh, really? um, well, I, I love a fun fact. Week six when they beat the Cowboys. It uh, was, that was that was an absolute ass kicking, by the way. That was the yeah. first road Monday night football game they've won since nineteen seventy seven. Which wow. just seems like a stupid long time. Oh my god! And then, yeah, and I, this is and yeah, we we can talk all we want about the collapse in the second half of the season. I would like you to pick out your favorite f up game from the second half of their season, and it can't be the Patriots game. I mean, it was absolutely first, the actually, no, it's absolutely talk the, about the Patriots game. game Week too. sixteen against the Niners, one hundred percent. That was the one. Um, yeah, that, the the. I, I definitely bet the Dolphins. The Dolphins played their them very tough that day. That was a very hard fought win. Oh for yeah, the Dolphins. we were all over that. Uh, they were lucky as hell to get a win against the Buffalo Bills. That was the uh, the Hale Murray game. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins catching the impossible target at the end of that one to flip the uh, flip the winner. Um, and then you expected them to lose to the Seahawks. The Seahawks were playing very well at that point in time in the season. Um, and maybe it was kind of a win that they only held the Seahawks to 28 points, I guess. Um, I don't really remember the Patriots loss. I'm assuming that was because uh, Murray got hurt in the Seahawks game and he wasn't r- rushing much. And y- I, you nailed it. His third, the third down efficiency of the entire team just went off of a cliff once Murray was not willing to scramble on third because they couldn't convert thirds through the air otherwise for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, Sean McVay has always kind of picked on the little brother cardinals so that wasn't a shocker 
Uh, I guess you beat the Giants and the Eagles, and you're eight and six. All you need to do is beat the 49ers at home, a game where you are facing CJ Beathard. And I I mean, at this point in the season, the Niners season is over. They're literally, um, you know, playing for draft position. Um, Everyone is hurt. Kittle was out of the game. Uh, Debo Samuel obviously didn't play last year. Um, Actually, Kittle did play. Excuse me. Kittle was available for that one. But the half of the defense was on the IR at this point. Uh, It was literally, you know, you were um, five-point favorites at home there. Um, I had a great number on them, and they uh, they let me down. They lost 20-12, to 12, and realistically, it didn't even feel that competitive. Cliff Kingsbury just absolutely stunk up the joint in terms of his approach to that game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they had some chances to score late in that one, but it was the same old, same old inefficiency in the red zone, inefficiency on third down that cost them that win. And that's kind of the major takeaway I had of this entire team that that entire season, it was a 500 team that struggled when the going got tough. And when Kyler Murray was limited because of injury or because of what the play call was given to him by the coach, um, that offense was stuck in mud. And uh, I thought that San Francisco game was, you know, perfect example of that. What did you, what about you? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the one I, I have a second just in case you pick that because I thought there was a high probability you would. But yeah, I brought that up earlier in a in a chat, a football chat that was based. And I said, your quarterback has the odds likelihood that one of your receivers goes over 100 yards. And they were pretty high answers because that's what happened. Murray threw the ball 50 times in that game. And had not only nobody got to 100 yards, he did not throw a touchdown pass. Uh, and then, yeah, Bethard, quietly efficient because it's, you know, maybe a better coach, better team. They weren't as dinged up on the offense as they were in the defense. Bethard threw 20 times, two times for three <laughs> touchdowns. Just, just, a, just a weird box score. And then, yeah, like my backup would probably be the Rams game. Like you needed it. You had to win it. You yeah, you know, you had playoff chances. You could have jumped the Bears with a win there, and you're facing something called boy. I don't know if I can remember his first. Was it just John Wolford? No, Wolford. Wolford. John yeah. Wolford? That, that sounds right. Wolford. <clears throat> I believe that was Strevler. That was you know, Strev- granted, Strevler the, versus the Rams Wolford, wasn't it? Does, didn't Murray miss that game? Yeah, it I was. I feel like Strevler was, played a lot of it. I, I'm. I think you might be right on that one too. Murray and started. It's just like, he got knocked is... out. Yeah, yeah Murray started that man. one. He only he only made a yeah. Murray Murray only passed eleven times, and then it was the Chris Strebler show, and Strebler was a little wild. Strebler struggled. He struggled. Um, he's struggling. He was struggling out there. The uh, but yeah, the Rams and Wolford. I mean. Good Lord, Wolford threw 38 pass attempts in that game against you. Wolford ran it six I feel like times he ran for 56 it a yards. <laughs> he was yeah, I was going to say, he, he scrambled he like uh, somebody should be picking ground. him up. Like, are we um, sure you want Daniel Jones when there's a John Wolford out there, guys? Yeah, no, that was weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the season was a failure, honestly. After starting as hot as they did, after getting the wins that they did, not being able to seal the deal and get yourself to the playoffs and get some of your young guys some playoff game reps in a very weak NFC. You lost a playoff spot to Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. 
need 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 I remind you, Mitch Trubisky no longer with the Bears. He was summarily fired, and uh, you know relieved of his duties. Um, and they got a playoff spot over you. You don't get your your you don't get your guys some playoff reps. Um, and it was you know I mean I I, I think it's completely fair to be extremely critical of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's uh, vision really for this offense. Um, the fact that you have as dynamic a playmaker as uh, Kyler Murray on the field and you could only manifest about league average offense is insane to me. Uh, similarly, the fact that you had that you stole DeAndre Hopkins from the Houston Texans and you're still not unable to convert regularly on third down is an enormous red flag. Like that guy's got the most insane catch radius and, and drops nothing. I, I think I'm making this up, but I'm pretty sure uh, DeAndre Hopkins has zero career drops at this point on about – 3,000 targets rough estimate you're 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 within a plus minus there i think with zero (laughs) like i think it's honestly pretty close he is yeah his 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 range his arm range whatever his wingspan is stupid get it anywhere it's like the old saying like if you you can ball you should catch the ball like that's just kind of how he lives his life that's his mantra and yeah that was that was stealing and a lot of people had some high hopes for him and really like i kind of let off with that changes the whole outlook for this team, but definitely the so the Murray injury was a drag. Um, not being able to get this offense to do what they wanted later in the season when Murray was a little limited with his uh, legs based on just he couldn't yeah. take as many hits. And then the defense just, it, we knew it wasn't going to be there, but it really just wasn't there at times. And they had, and that's going to, we're going to have to talk about that a little more too because the defense, some of the changes we made, I'm not sure. You know, uh, it has to work. Man, you throw enough money at something, it should figure itself out. But boy, this secondary has me worried. So, mm. if you want to, well, real quick, you, correct the record. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had 160 targets last year, two drops, two. Um, and that's because his hands are incredible. He's not going to get a ton of separation um a number of the passes that were thrown his way were well defended a number of times uh you know teams could key on him because he was really the only guy that was a true receiving threat on the field and so if it was an obvious passing down they could put two hats on him um but he's still you know he was a he you know in the same way that we talked about travis kelsey the cheat code hopkins should be that guy for this offense and he really wasn't and now hopkins eh, 29 getting up there oh, in the old hush, getting hush. up there in the old uh i mean but the the window is going to be that big here. especially yeah, if, yeah. if if they move and we'll get to cliff but yeah the window changes dramatically if you start stoder over with the new coaching staff if this year is a failure and i guess before we get to changes what if you were if you were the bidwell family slash yes. whatever i don't i have no idea what the gm is Steve uh, Kine, he's he is. Oh my God! How can I not think as well? Man. Yeah, there you go. I could not think of that. I, I don't know how I could pull the owners, but not the GM somehow. Maybe it's because one of the Bidwells died a couple years ago, and it's fresh. But um, R.I.P. Whichever Bidwell it was, I'm sure it was one of the older ones. There was uh, we, we kind of had a, a sure, soft it was quite moment. sad. Yeah, it was. You know. It, anyway, Steve Kime, if you are Mr. Kimes, what yes. changes would you try to be making? to this team before we get to their changes if i am mr kime i am doing everything in my power to network away into my next job because i do not believe that i am coming back for the 2022 <laughs> campaign i mean that's you, really all there is you hit me with i the, don't the, think, trick question trick answer <laughs> i don't think 
he realistically gets to make the decision about what to do if the Cardinals underwhelm this year. And there's no reason really not to think that they're going to underwhelm again because their schedule is bleeping impossible and their division is super competitive and they didn't really hit on any of their off-season moves, really, uh, that I could tell you. I mean, maybe J.J. Watt has something left in the tank, but my expectations are quite low. Chandler Jones, your only impact player on defense, uh, wants off the team. Uh, that's never a good sign. Uh, you no, drafted and you drafted and missed yeah. a number of times uh, over the last several years, and you know it's it's a uh, it's not a team that you really look at and say well they got a lot of interesting pieces if this coaching staff could just develop these guys no they, they, i mean they, they're not not really um, no, you're not developing jj watt you're not developing chandler jones you know you're no um but i, I mean i like that they you drafted two pretty nice prospects in simmons and last year and collins this year maybe playing behind some high-end used to be high-end guys with a lot of knowledge of the football we see a quicker ascension there but yeah i mean the the biggest thing for changes and granted i like the collins pick i like the rondell moore pick i in fact i liked a couple of their draft picks it wasn't horrible considering where they were drafting but Mm -hmm. yeah the jj watt thing does move the needle for me um malcolm butler how do you feel about that before i get to my malcolm butler talk uh is he gonna play? Yeah, that's never good. <laughs> you don't want to be yeah. on the eve of the season, and guys like Chandler Jones want off the team, and guys like Malcolm but- Malcolm Butler are contemplating retirement. Like that's not good. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's, I mean, so, they needed to hit on some of these guys because Patrick Peterson got old. You let him walk, and you know you you didn't uh, you didn't bring back Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, you didn't bring back Jonathan Joseph. Um, you're that was turning all over of your you're outside enti- corner yeah. shot. <laughs> you're, you're turning of, every, almost, you're turning it all over. Almost yeah. all of them. So um, yeah, you needed and, Malcolm Butler to hit. And Otherwise, like, your, your secondary and, sucks. Don't get me wrong. Like, Buda Baker is an exciting player, and maybe he's one of the best strong safeties in the NFL. I'm not building a defense around Buda Baker. No, thanks. Uh, and similarly, Isaiah Simmons has an enormous amount of promise. He's a guy that should be able to excel uh, because he's just so good gd talented but i don't necessarily have a ton of faith that vance fantastic oh of course but he's not no but yeah he's not he's not gonna add wins harrison smith is fantastic but if you 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 have a really 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 like even a high and harrison smith's better than buddha baker but you saw what happens you can have a really good strong safety the rest of the secondary sucks like how much did we talk about harrison smith last year I mean, yeah, it, maybe a pick not here and all. there. It's just like I don't think at all. Yeah, I just there was too many other weak links. About. It's a weak link system, and they were all weak except for Harrison Smith. So who cares? This is and kind of the same you know, sort of deal. Uh, yeah, I brought up the young linebackers. Maybe they take a quick step forward with some of the presence in front of them. Yeah. But honestly, like, does does the front seven? And I'll throw Buda Baker in there because that makes you a front seven if you're playing, you know, three corners. Sure. It's, does the front seven matter that much if your corners are, you know, the Alford and my God, it's going to look like uh, if Butler, does, I think Alford yeah. might have COVID right now. If Butler oh, doesn't he? play, you're looking at Byron Murphy. Yeah. We're yeah, going to see, a, you're going to see a lot of Aquila Witherspoon. You're going to see a lot of 
Oops, I'm sorry. That's the Seahawks depth chart. <laughs> My bad. I was going to say, he got traded to a different team. <laughs> I got to pull up the Cardinals. I don't, I see them. We're doing two teams today, obviously. So my tab's got uh, a little confused there. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of, you're going to see a lot of Byron Murphy. You're going to see a lot of, um, Daryl Worley. Marco Wilson. Ooh, man. You're going to see just some Jace Whitaker. Uh, I don't even know if these guys are really going to make the team, but uh, if Malcolm Butler's not good to go, and I don't even know if Mal- Malcolm Butler's, I mean, his best football is probably behind him, um, even if he does play. So this is going to be a ton of pressure on this unit. Uh, a lot of places you can attack them through the air, but uh, you know, to your point about the linebackers, Zayvon Collins looks like he's got, he can play. That kid can play. Isaiah Simmons, we know has talent. He should be take be able to take a meaningful step forward this year. That's cool that you have this sort of duo of young, impactful linebackers. That's going to give your off your team lots of chances when you're down. Like t- I don't see teams being able to put away the Cardinals with the ground game late in games. I think the Cardinals are going to get lots of bites at the apple. They're going to get lots of chances. They're set up well to do a decent amount of, you know, a decent run defense here. The problem is they're going to be playing from behind a lot because I don't think your coverage is good enough. And, you know, you, you know, if you don't have a pass rush that is going to consistently win, like, like a Washington football team kind of a pass rush, then your secondary is going to be exposed at points in games and teams are going to be able to throw on you. And um, I mean, just the way that they went about stocking their, uh, their cornerbacks for this season is uh is a little suspect in my opinion. Yeah. Butler Butler's probably, that was probably your best addition unless one of these day three rookies hits. I don't even know if these guys are on like Marco Wilson. I'm not sure. Take on, I'm, you know, we're, we're kind of at that tweener stage where I haven't kept up on all the news about the cuts. We're getting the, the, you know, the cut down stuff to see if some of these rookies even make the squad. If you listen to some old episodes, we'll probably talk about some guys that aren't even on the team anymore. But yeah, it's it's an issue in today's day and age, especially with the schedule they face, which we'll get to later. I don't know if it if JJ Watt, Chandler Jones play above where we think they are, and both both linebackers play above where a rookie and a second year player work. I don't think it matters the Hill of Beans if the secondary is bad. And that's my biggest takeaway from the changes we made in the offseason. I'm not I'm not uh, moving. I, I won't even spend much time on the offensive side of the ball. Somebody mentioned they gave Rondell a lot of looks in the preseason. I like that. I yeah, Rondell Moore uh, was a nice pick. It, it's a nice yeah. pick. I thought he might have gone in the first round. He was mocked in some people's first rounds because wide receivers had had a little bit of a, a range there right around the 20 to 40 mark. And I think he went somewhere. Yep, he went 49th Purdue from Purdue. That's not a bad grab. And the AJ Green, honestly, the Rondale Moore thing probably moves the needle more than the AJ Green. I'm, Absolutely, uh, maybe maybe Green. we're dead wrong on AJ Green. Maybe it was I, just hey, you were playing. I'll pay to see and, it. I'll pay to see it. I don't. That's the thing. He was hurt, and he played in a bad system with a probably a lame duck coach with a, a weird transition years here between you know the last uh, the last regime and bringing into Joe Burrow and then the injuries. So maybe Andy or Andy Murray, AJ Green. I'm stuck on tennis today, man. AJ Green, not even close to the same person. Kyler AJ Murray Green has a little Andy bit. Murray. Kyler Murray. Andy Green. Andy Murray. AJ Andy, Andy Green. Green Murray. Yeah. But if he has a little bit left in the tank and Rondell Moore hits, I'm I'm excited for the offense with a healthy Murray. That's that's certainly a thing. The defensive or the offensive line is very good. A couple of really nice tackles. Uh I 
I don't know much about the middle, I guess. Pew's okay, but the the offensive line's getting a little up there, but it's a it's a solid offensive line. It's definitely a top half of the league offensive oh, line. So. Rodney Hudson. He's legit. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, that is your center. Okay, good. And then, you know, the 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 running back swap, Connor for Canyon, I don't give a shit. Like that doesn't matter. Yeah. Your your most efficient runner is the guy taking the snaps anyway. Get him to figure it out, make AJ Green and Rondell Moore work, figure out your your splits as far as how many times you're using three or four wide receivers on the field now that you have a healthy quarterback again and let the offense do the work because the defense might legitimately stink yeah so what we're basically getting down to then is you've set yourself up to where your offense must take a step forward right yeah which is dicey um considering who's in charge of that offense specifically um let's talk about a little kyle kyler murray before we go there though uh is kyler murray good <laughs> i think he is i mean is is she is your rating on kyler we talked when we were talking about um herbert last week i had it was a great back and forth i thought and you or you i think you qualified herbert as eight to eighteen we don't, we don't, it's an incomplete to this point. We need more information. And I guess, do you feel similarly about Kyler Murray through two years of his NFL uh, resume, or do you have a little bit higher degree of certainty with, you know, what he is? No, I, I think a lot of this um, comes down to more of the coaching. And then also, you know, the injury last year really muddied the water as far as getting a feel, but when he came into the league, Cliff Kingsbury had, I mean, not only like what he said, but just what the media said about him. And this is what's going to happen with this offense. And boy, we're going to run 10 personnel and we're going to have, you know, four or five wideouts so much. And this is going to happen and that's going to happen. I felt like he just felt like he got hamstrung by himself and the media and the blitz of like, this is the offense I've been expected to run. And I'm going to see if it works in the NFL. And he did make some uh, without like, verbally backtracking i don't watch all his press conferences maybe he's mentioned it but like he's gotten away from that a little just because if you have four wide receivers out there 80 percent of the time guess what your wide receivers are gonna get hurt like they don't all need that many snaps like that was kind of a side effect of that if you don't have the depth which actually i, I do kind of like their depth this year with we didn't even mention some of the backups in the wide receiver i, I do like this offense if things work out because you have Kirk Johnson, a couple other guys sitting back there, Isabella, that like just guys who have, you know, for nothing better than experience, I guess. Like you've you've played at least, like especially with Andy Isabella and you know Christian Kirk as some of your secondary options. Those guys have gotten plenty of snaps. That's something with depth. So yeah, it's it's difficult to be for me to say based on the changes Cliff made from year one to year two. And then, you know, with Kyler year one to year two, we saw a really nice start to the season. And granted, that does help to get a brand new shiny toy like Sean or Mr. Uh, I almost said the quarterback, not the wide receiver, but Hopkins. Hopkins, Yeah, Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins nuke there is that's going to make you a better quarterback just by by default. But yeah, I I think if that's what we get when he's healthy, 
and Cliff understands that he needs to run him, but not as maybe as much as he was to the point where he's going to hurt his shoulder because he did an idle guy. And we find a happy <laughs> medium in that. And we use this wide receiver depth and we get the play sequencing down and they stop running the ball. Cliff makes good decisions. He doesn't run into stack boxes. He makes adjustments. It just, it was tough to make the adjustments when he was a little hamstrung in the second half of the year with Kyler's, uh, I'm really putting a lot of onus on Kyler's injury. So if he's bad, I'm just guess I'm just dumb. I don't. Do you have? I'm going to make you like a debate class in high school. Take a counterpoint. Why is Kyler bad? <laughs> just going to set you up for that. I don't. He really... had bad performances. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess bad, I don't. Multiple think weeks of throwing. Yeah, I, I I don't think he's bad. I think it's, uh, I think it's more of a he he has the skill set to be a Russell Wilson light, you know, size, mm-hmm. uh, you know, arm, uh, mobility, all of it is very Russell Wilson esque, and so you kind of want to you know you want to see him kind of go down that lean into that a little bit more and the fact that you get to see these guys play each other a couple times a year and that it's so clear that Wilson is a different class of quarterback I think keeps Murray into like a decidedly into the second tier of guys no matter if he continues to improve and some of what we see from him because you know we're being tough on him but you know, he's, he's a top 12. He was top 12 last year, EPA per play and, and completion percentage over expectation. It was, you know, his, his, his dots right in there with the, you know, the, the Lamar Jacksons and the Joe Burrows, Baker Mayfields. Like these guys are elite guys that you would believe in and to kind of lead your franchise. And, um, you know, there's, there was really no flaw in his games from a statistical standpoint, other than just, uh, struggling in high leverage moments. And, uh, is that repeatable? Is that consistent? Is he always going to struggle on third down? Who knows? I don't. I tend to think not. You know that that's not very likely. Um, but uh, you know he's he he does have uh, you know some characteristics that are um, minus EV. He fumbles a lot. Uh, he had nine fumbles last year. Um, that was a little bit concerning. Um, you know, he only 26 passing touchdowns to 12 interceptions, not an ideal ratio there. Um, some of that was again, you know, they get into the red zone and I, I just feel like the play calling kind of stinks and, um, I want to blame cliff more than I want to blame Kyler and like to the degree where, you know, if, if, uh, if, if Murray is an, is if Murray is underwhelming this year and the cardinals are under 500 and it's clean house next year you're probably getting a bargain basement market expected price on murray with a new offensive coach assuming they get a guy that can kind of push the envelope a little bit from an offensive scheme standpoint does that make sense yeah for sure like i think yeah i think there were times last year clearly heading into last year like his price for like MVP clearly heading into this year his price for MVP. Like I find laughable. I don't think there's yeah. really any realistic chance that this guy wins enough games to get. No. That, and you, you that, made a good no, point that with ticket the, home, but I, yeah, I, I want to put that on cliff. Yeah. 
Yeah, just if you can't get to Russ, you're not going to get to MVP because Russ has never even got an MVP vote. Motherfuckers, just still wild. Because he had he had that thing won. I think maybe he got one last year. I'm gonna have to. We might have to revise that. That was always the funny stat, but um, I don't yeah, believe we'll get, he did. We'll, but yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait and get to that. But I think that's a good transition to talk Cliff because at least it, it is very, very, you know, they tied together. They came in together. They wanted to run this fun college offense. Shit, they're from the same league or the same conference, I suppose. And if you want to talk Cliff Hot Seat again, if they make the playoffs, this is not a conversation we're having. It's such a silly thing that one game makes all the difference because they likely likely lose in a playoff game, just draft a couple spots higher. Nothing really changed. You played one more game on the road against a team that beats you. But boy, what a what a difference that makes in the just the perception to the fans, to the organization, and everything. And yeah, now he probably does have to take a, a decent step forward and get this team into the playoffs. Um positive. The NFC is a little weaker as a conference, negative, and we'll get to this. The schedule ain't great. And another negative is, you know, if if it was less of an injury for Kyler and more of teams, there are some people that are just saying like, hey, guess what? We figured you out. We're using a lot of people point to that Patriots game. Patriots were extremely light in the box, extremely light as far as using people up front, going in dime constantly. And just going to this zone that was all over the place, and they were easily filling up gaps. Or like if Kyler took off, there was always someone there. They were covering everybody in this nasty zone. And a lot of people say, "Well, other people just found that." It's the classic cliche we use this constantly. Like, "Oh, this team found the blueprint, and everybody copied it." Which there is something mm-hmm. to that. So I'm mean, I'm little column A, little column B. But if it's more that column B, then this is maybe more on Cliff than the injury I keep bringing up. So your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I hate Cliff's scheme. I hate it. It drives me insane. <laughs> it drives me insane. I can't watch these games. It drives me off out of, out of out of my mind trying to understand what the plan was, where how they came up with it. Uh, and it feels like they're making shit up as they go a lot. Like, does that is that a fair way to put it like it just doesn't feel well thought out and i know that it's pretty easy to point to well the guy never really succeeded even at the big 12 level in college so why in the world was he gonna all of a sudden do that exact do you know do the job well here in the nfl level and that's a fair criticism but you know realistically it's it's not what it's cooked cracked up to be in terms of this innovative um you know shake up the the norms type of approach and I don't think they have been lacking in terms of personnel to execute it. And that's the reason why at all. Um, And even when it is going well, he does really stupid stuff in the red zone uh, and makes terrible decisions about when to go for it and when to kick field goals, when to punt. And it's, I think at my core, if a guy is like out here touting himself as this big innovator and then this disruptor, this d- disruptor, great way to put it. He's touting himself as this disruptor, but then won't even go for it on fourth down. Like, get out of here! <laughs> like, like you're you're not, you're not pushing the envelope at all. 
Like stop. it's like the it's like the people that were all excited about Bernie Sanders and then other people in there. And again, I don't even follow politics that much, but like you'd see all these people getting excited for Bernie, and then everybody in their replies would be like, you know, he owns like four houses, right? <laughs> like that. That's what like a the po- political what a replies. Oh my god, I'm yeah, so yeah, no. happy we're no, not in no, election year. Yes, absolutely. It, but it's ultimately it's it's a it is not something I don't I've seen I've seen enough, really, I think is what it boils down to. Yeah, we're and there. he'll have some game plans because again, he's making shit up as he goes, as far as I can tell you. He'll have some game plans that he it's you know, he he hits correctly, like the Niners game last year where they went in the opener. Um, and he'll have some games where uh, you know, the approach is completely ass backwards, like the the Patriots game, you know, where the offense never really had a chance. Um, and you're just going to have to live with that. And you're just going to have to understand that that's probably one of the bigger variance issues around this Arizona Cardinals team when you're considering betting on them either on the spread or uh, with respect to the total, as we learned the hard way <laughs> because of how many times they were kicking Googles. Yeah. You, I mean, even that Buffalo Bills game, man, that ended 30 to 32. I had the over in that one, and that was a sweat. There were so many field goals in that first quarter, in that first half. I think it was uh, on that. Yeah, I remember and, that. Oh it was like, God. this isn't oh going to happen. It was just They're torture. moving. This is just torture. And Any I field mean, goal that, that's, that starts yeah. at the number two in the yardage just hurts my heart. Yeah, right. Oh, and I, is that what we're doing? I, I, Murray's, Murray's play is instinctual play running the football especially getting finally having a nose for the end zone 11 rushing touchdowns last year by the way um you know that it is enough to elevate you in certain games and you know and, and overcome some of the limitations but um you know I, I i don't i don't look at this uh team with high expectations at all for their offense in fact and, uh good yeah but and kind of putting a bow on the Kimes um, Cliff thing, how, you, how do you view that dynamic again with the Bidwell family and management and everybody who makes decisions? Cliff is third favorite to uh, Patrick brought up uh, first coach fired. He's third favorite. You know, he he's should be going to be one of the favorites. He should be. But is this? Do you feel like it's the kind of organization that would make a a, a mid season change? What's the benefits? like weighing that compared to waiting for the off season. And maybe I, I guess it really doesn't matter anymore. Like it depends what you, what, how bad you want the guy out of there. Like, I don't even know who their offensive coordinator is because Kingsbury calls the plays. Like I would, I would probably have to go check who like their offensive guy is. If they, they probably have like a coordinator, or, like some offensive assistant. It looks like it is Jeff Rogers. So you're having Jeff Rod. You're probably having Vance Joseph coach at that point. Is that what yikes. you want? Yikes. Is that what yikes. you want? Yikes! yikes, yikes. I, I, I but like no. See, here's like here's ask. the thing. Like, boy, man. Like Vance the fact Joseph. that Vance Joseph is still employed is a problem with the yeah. top down decision making, right? Like, they they're bringing Vance Joseph back for year three, right? This is his third year. Yeah. And and oh by the way, he's a guy that couldn't figure out how to use the one of the more dynamic players to come through the draft process and uh, in the last forever years. They're just an I average defense. I just think of that announcer with the he's having the time of his life. I can't hear his oh, name yeah. and not think of that. What a great having moment. The time of his life. Anyway, the 
general yeah my, i mean my feel is that uh that kime and, and company are extremely on the hot seat and you know if you're the bidwells you clean house if it's going really poorly to keep the fans from like you know absolutely losing their you know losing their shit on you um and yeah, i think you, you want you want too. a little bit of a you yeah right you want a little bit of a head start on your coaching search for 2021 you're not trying to uh, 2022 you're not trying to evaluate any of the people um you know on your that are currently in your staff as far as we I don't yeah we don't make a ton of um predictions on here but we should predict who the i, I think i could see like a cliff and vance are gone and then Interim, I'm going to predict interim head coach. Sean, no, Cameron Turner, quarterback's coach. You know, because you know why? I'm pretty sure he's Norv Turner, one of Norv Turner's kids. <laughs> you think? I don't know the answer to that. One it almost has to be. He he was born in Champaign. He's coached for the Vikings, Maybe. I'm gonna have to double somebody double check that Cam Cameron Turner, quarterbacks coach. See if he's related to Norm. Um, okay, all right, that's Larry not crazy. Fitzinger. I will, I will pick. Oh, Larry Fitzgerald, oh, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I think realistically, what, what do you think about this as far as a landing spot for uh, uh, Eric Bieniemy? No, or that's Brian what I, I was saying. Like, Brian, Dave, are you going after you? You, you Brian Dable is going to be the hottest coaching prospect this season. It's not going to be close. Do you fire? Do you move on here so that you can get a head start and get Brian Dable in here as your next head coach? Yeah, Dable or Bianami and somebody, other Patrick, we have two Patricks who are pretty active. It said, would they try to throw a bag at Riley after this year? I feel like they'd probably yeah. avoid going the college route a second time just because yeah. they were burnt. They probably would go with someone established in the NFL, Dable, Bianami, anybody else you know who could who could be moved at this point. And Giorgio says he's the nephew of Norv. Boy, that that speaks head coach. That speaks interim to me. Turner, Cameron Turner, interim head coach. But I agree with you. I'd like to go after Dable. I'd like to he go is after the son the of the former FIU head coach Ron Turner and the cousin of Scott Turner, the a lot of Turners coordinator for the Washington football team. Um, how about that? He was a quarterback at Citadel back in the day. Well, let's look at this <laughs> schedule that's going to get him fired. <laughs> okay. Again, uh, a lot of clocks, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of clocks. Yeah. yeah, a lot of early games. Uh, and, you know, I had an early thought on this schedule, Drew. Yeah, good. And it was wrong. It was dead wrong. It was Andy being an idiot, just looking at it, the tree for the forest, or however you say that. Sure. I looked, and I'm like, I'm like, man, the NFC. They, so they face the AFC South and the NFC North. Yes. Which, again, the AFC South. The Texans are a mess. The Jaguars are probably a mess. The Titans, yes, decent, yes. decent. The Colts, tons of COVID. So things are getting easier there. The Bears' offensive line stinks, among other issues with coaching. The Lions have no receivers anymore and yes. probably a bad quarterback. The Vikings are probably going to forfeit their game anyway due to COVID, and that team is snake-bitten as well. And I'm like, man, they, they play two easy divisions, but then – uh, I'm just looking at it. It's like, here's a list of all the teams they play, but they don't list LA, Seattle, and San Fran twice. They just list them once. Yeah, I'm like, right. you know, it's like, God, you know, I, I, I named like six teams that are easy, but I forgot like the division is so hard. Like you just not going to have any, it, it helps bring it down from being like the hardest schedule ever to like 
a top 10 worst, but your AFC North team you play is the Browns. You're going to play the Cowboys, which I don't care how the Cowboys work. If they're healthy-ish, at least the passing game should be working. And I just said they have no secondary. I don't know about the Panthers. Maybe that one is an easy one. But, yeah, playing in your division plus the Packers, Titans, Browns, Cowboys, and any of those teams that I said suck, surprising, it's a tough schedule. So right off the bat, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, no, it is tough. A lot of travel, uh, a lot of uh, uh, three of your first uh, four games on the road. That's tough mm-hmm. when you got to do all that travel that early in the season. Um, yeah, you mentioned the early spots, five spots where you got to play at the crack of dawn your time. Um, and then obviously that's here, you know, that's tongue in cheek, 10 AM is not hard for these guys to get up for them, but sometimes there's some slow starts there. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of coin flips ultimately. Um, but, uh, I'm not backing, uh, I'm not laying the points with these guys against some of their worst opponents. Would you? No. And, and you look at, um, if you're looking at this in the YouTube or Periscope chat, you can see the green spots, the light blue spot and the dark blue spot are the four advantage spots right san francisco is one of them at san mm-hmm. francisco so you, you got your extra rest off thursday night football that's a really tough game so it yes, helps it a is. little it helps a little but that's still probably a loss your other three are versus minnesota houston and chicago so you're wasting you know at least at least you make winnable games a little more winnable that helps but you're not getting any decent advantage spots in all the tough games, all the tough division games that we talked about. In fact, you know, you, you actually have a disadvantage spot because you play the Rams after having going to the deep, deep Southeast and playing in Duval, Jacksonville, and then coming back and having to play the Rams again. It's not that far to LA from Arizona slash Glendale, but it's still a second straight week back to back after an East coast trip. Yeah. And yeah, no, no advan- advantageous spots with the other ones outside of the San Fran game getting two days extra rest. So I'm not, I'm not keen on this team based on the schedule and what Cliff has brought to the table thus far. Yeah. And I think the fact that there are so many games on here that are coin flips where you are a small favorite has the potential to make this situation worse, right? If you're expected to win mm-hmm. a handful of these games and you lose them, then yeah, the Chicago you're... game, like, yeah, right. Chicago game is a great example. The India, uh, the uh, Colts game, uh, week 16, where you're one points favorites when hosting the Colts. Um, yeah, your Jags game, two, uh, right, out, right off the bat, week two and week three are, are troublesome. You know, you, you, you're hosting the Vikings as three and a half point chalk there. If you don't win that game, there's going to be some scrutiny. You go at Jacks the next week. If you don't win that game as two and a half point favorites, there's going to be some scrutiny. Um, and I guess as I kind of synthesize, what do these numbers tell us? Do you want to guess what the market has the Arizona Cardinals power rank as rank? Like a plus two, a plus one, 11th, currently the 11th team in the NFL from a power. I just went high because when you make me guess, it's usually, well, this is, this is the real head scratcher. You want to guess what their offense is power ranked ranking wise in the league ninth eighth yeah oh uh, top, wow this is again i went high 10. just on purpose this is That's this surprising. is expected to be a top 10 offense uh the defense right now powering 20th that feels very correct to me i would not make any adjustments on that 
uh, from a defensive standpoint. But this offense was 14th last year. I don't know how they're making the leap to eighth, not with the, with, with Green. the changes. Uh, yeah, okay. All right, sure. Um, sure. Yeah, the uh, this is going to be a tough season. This is going to be a tough season for the Cardinals, and they, you know, maybe they're a 500 team again, maybe. Um, but the light, even at, even at, I guess, if they are nine and eight, but miss out on the playoffs, and they're let's say they're third or fourth in the AF in the NFC West. Oh, you fucked up my question. Is it a clean house? I was going to ask that. What are the odds? And has it ever happened before that a team had a winning record and finished fourth in their division? It's First probably off, rare. I don't, I don't think it's ever happened before because there's probably been a bunch of, if it, if it was like a stacked division, you might've had a seven and nine or eight and eight final, but like uh, nine and eight is like, Oh, above 500. But what if you're nine and eight and finished last in the division? Like you can kind of chalk it up to, I mean, Cliff could sell that, couldn't he? Be like, look at this division, guys. Come on. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's a, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think everybody's itching to move on here if they don't, if they underwhelm. Yeah. Um, Agreed. The oh, we almost had it. We almost had it with in two thousand and eight AFC East. You had the eleven and five Dolphins, eleven and five Patriots, nine and seven Jets. And the Bills were seven and nine. Um, oh, even also an eight, that, all, finishing dead last. Is also that year in the NFC East, the Redskins were fourth at eight and eight. The Saints were fourth at eight and eight as well. So apparently, it does happen quite a lot. <laughs> if I'm just picked a random year and there's like yeah, getting a winning record in, though. There's a winning record. Examples. Getting your win, t- eclipsing your win total, and still finishing dead last and having a winning record—the trifecta of weirdness. So, oh, yeah. should we take a look at the odds that we're not yes. going to bet. Yes. Super Bowl 40 to 1 NFC plus 1750 to win the NFC West is 5 to 1. What number would you need to bet to win the NFC West for these guys? 12. Yeah, that's about right for me, too. Um, make the playoffs yes is plus 160, no is minus 220. Now, I don't know that I have enough confidence to tell you that no is fair at minus 220. That seems aggressive. No, that is. It might even be if you're if you're positive about this team, if you have positive thoughts, that might be the take. Although I don't think an eight and nine team gets in, so you could probably yeah. I mean, I guess nine and eight, I, I'd go nine half. eight might make it. Not, you might be the seven seed at nine and eight in the NFC. I would I, not I, be. I, I would feeling, not be surprised. Would yeah. Not if I was surprised. feeling positive on this team, and there are some, you know, again, like the wide receivers work out. You have a really good offensive line, dynamic quarterback. Maybe Cliff did some soul searching. Blah, blah, blah. I'd go half on the over eight and a half, half on the two make playoffs at a plus number and 10 wins gets you both almost every time. Yeah. And nine wins gets you both half the time. And it's a, it's a break even. And if you have eight wins, I guess, sorry, you're back to Cardinals. <laughs> uh, Let's see here. So what has to go right to you for you to make the playoffs? Yes, plus 160. I'm surprised that's that low. Um, You have to have the NFC East to stink as we expect. Only one team gets in. You have to have the NFC North to stink as we expect. Only one team gets in. And then you can finish third. You have to be, you have to just, you just have to, you have to beat out the Rams or the Seahawks or the Niners. And I think you could finish third and be the seventh seed. 
uh, one team from that NFC South mix will surprise. We don't know who. And then two teams can make it from the NFC West. I would I would believe it. I would buy it. And it could if they if uh, the other three divisions don't have any surprises, you could have three out of this division. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Basically, you, you, I don't think you're getting four out of this division, probably. But you could uh, you could? It wouldn't be. That'd be weird. That'd be, be weird. I don't know if the math even works. We all the teams would have to lose and like only win their AFC games. It'd be really weird. But three out of this division does seem likely. Four is up. Andy just talking crazy talk. So, yeah, I I think the yes plus one sixty is kind of intriguing. Even though I did play under eight and a half on this team earlier in the season. Oh, you did. Okay. All right. Yeah. Did you get a good price at least? Better than minus one twelve? I'll have to go check. I think uh, it was. It looks like it was way back. We were talking about the WNBA All Star Game the next day, so this is a few weeks ago. I, have I had to go back and look these through guys. No, just uh, under eight and a half for me. I, I played that earlier. I felt pretty strongly about the AJ Green not moving the needle, plus the the tough schedule. And honestly, yeah. at that point, I wasn't so crazily down on the Colts and Vikings yet. So maybe that helps helps me lose this one a little. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know how many games I'm gonna bet on the Cardinals this year. This is gonna be one of those teams that I'm just like even their week one game against the Titans, does that have any interest for you at all? Yeah. I mean those are two teams that were you know you, there's a lot of names in that are playing in that game that you should care about. But I'm I'm yeah I'm, I really am like eh. I'm very tuned out on probably unless I see something and I'm like, all right, I have a beat on this team. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be way, way off this. So, okay, all right. Well, let's move on to our promo. Yes. Why don't you put this up on the screen, producer Dan? Who also, if you ever wanted to meet producer Dan, he'll be there. We'll be at Blondie's. This is uh, for anybody who's coming from out of state for the first weekend of the NFL. I'm just gonna put this up. A bunch of the four for four guys. Oh, You're, nice. uh, John John Daigle over oh, from NBC. Yeah. Um, me and great Drew, guy to have beers be, with, by the way. There'll be some other people that aren't even on this list. We're, we've invited a bunch of bookmakers, uh, lines makers, odds makers, people from the industry that are out in Vegas that are gonna show up. Some friends out there as well. Basically, all you have to do is sign up and fund an account with prize picks. That's your entry. And not only does that get you in, it gets you free drinks for three hours. I'll fill you up on Reed Rooney's credit card. Is I there any these... anything that's off limits? Like, can I just get like just Red Bull and vodka after Red Bull and vodka? Or like Honestly, anything, I'm, I'm, anything goes? I don't know. I think I'll probably keep you to wells and taps. I'm not going to, you can't just order. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not going to let you just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like wedding rules. You can't walk up okay. and just say, I need 75 shots. Like, don't, I'll don't, take don't, six schlitzes. Six schlitzes. Don't, don't, whatever's free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Signing, signing up with the promo code BetSperts on getting a prize picks, uh, prize picks app. It is a, a daily fantasy. It is our, our official daily fantasy sponsor of the podcast. So yeah, sign you, up, man. fund an account. That, that price picks get app 100% is, bonus. Uh, that price pick app is slick, man. It is nice. Uh we gotta twist Reed's arm. If we're if we're in the uh you know the uh, uh acquiring companies uh mode right now at Bet Sports, we should uh 
should look into what they want because they basically backdoored legal gaming everywhere, which is pretty it's freaking fun. Smart. I, I, uh, anybody who watches Brown Bag Bets, I took a couple of noops' totals and I put it into a prize picks entry and I won a bunch of money on that. So I'm not only crushing tennis prize picks, but my preseason prize picks was fun. My Friday entry won as well. So yeah, download the prize picks app, it's on uh, Apple and Android. All you have to do is use our promo code BetSperts, you get a hundred dollar. Uh, up to a hundred dollar uh, deposit match, which is a hundred percent deposit match. I'm so bad at saying that for some reason. I gotta practice that in the mirror tonight. And yeah, join us in the back room at Blondie's right there in Planet Hollywood. And with that, let's move on to Seattle. Awesome. Uh, why is the market sleeping on these guys? What's, what's your general before we even get into this? What uh, what's the deal? I'm hot on Seattle, baby. Okay, you're hot on Seattle. Okay. Okay. You know, cool. and it, it all comes down to one man. And granted, I... Oh, no, it comes I, down to I, two men. It comes down to two men, you're right. But I got teased. I got teased by this stupid team. This is the girl who invites you to her room to look at a scrapbook. <laughs> like, you at least were getting over what the sweater. And tease. we're looking at pictures. And I don't know, maybe that doesn't resonate with the younger crowd. When I was younger... That's what you you didn't have uh, digital cameras yet. So, either way, absolute tease. Like we mentioned numerous times, Russ Wilson was the MVP. He handed him the award after a few weeks. This offense was fun. Um, the let Russ cook was beat into the ground so much that I didn't want to hear it ever again. But it still rung true. When they let Russ do his cooking, it was a fun offense. DK Metcalf is a disgusting mutant who cannot be stopped. He is a, an absolutely massive human being who does his job so well. And like they have weapons. And then for some reason, it's similar to, I mean, it was similar to like the Kellen Moore experience when we saw that, like, hey, this is working down in Dallas. And then JG stuck his stupid fingers in the pie and it all turned around. All of a sudden, we're, we're throwing three yard outs to Jason Witten again. I don't know if it, who was or who did it, if it was, you know, who decided to let Russ cook and then who decided to turn the burner straight off, but they really did change how they played and it stunk and it wasn't fun. And the real crux of the thing was I was pissed. I hated how the team looked in the second half of the season and they won 12 games. Yeah. Like, like, 12 and four. This, <laughs> yes. This is, this is a team that should have been competing for a Super Bowl. And I just didn't feel it when they, when they got to the playoffs, I'm like, I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this team. And again, like, no, you bet against was, them and get the, with the Rams. Right. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We did. And it was, it, it sucked. So I hopefully, and you know, uh, really offensive changes is going to be pretty quick. There's not a whole lot to talk about, but why don't you, if you want to run through 2020 quick and I'll, I'll chime in where needed. All right. Uh, no, I thought you just, I thought you described that. Well, it was a tale of two seasons. Really, the first half and the second half. The first half was all offense and doing things that you that you were so excited to finally see done on the football field involving Russell Wilson. Um, five and zero into their bye week, coming out of the bye week, a very very hard fought loss against the Arizona Cardinals. Was that the game that DK Metcalf ran down Buda Baker off after the pick? Yeah. Was this also Great. the game where the end of the game Great was just team. absolutely insane? Uh, this one of these games, the end ga end game scenario was absolutely insane. Like it took like a cr couple of crazy penalties, 
to get the game tying field goal in in regulation. It, do it, do you remember what I'm describing? Which which Arizona game was that though? Like this I can't the remember first which one. one. The so Cardinals. They were unbeaten going into the Cardinals game, and Russ and they had were a, up thirty four twenty four. They were up, they, oh, they were up ten points. Bunch of picks. So he threw a bunch of picks. And I think the last one set up the field goal. And don't you, don't was, you remember though that there was like a crazy, like yep. a, 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 a like a, a leverage penalty on Bobby Wagner or something on like the field goal block. And yeah, there was some goofiness. Yeah, there was. All right. Well, I'm. I'm not. But yeah, sure should, the, the over the over that was the overtime game, and they were again with overtime. They were scored twenty to seven in the second half in overtime. So that's how you lose your undefeated season in it. You know, and it, they were they scored twenty seven points in the first half, and then maybe that's where it that's where it turned. They just uh, stopped yeah. being good at halftime there. Although yeah. they did look really good the next week against the Niners, and yes, the Niners were beat up by that time, but they returned home and dropped thirty seven on them. That was and then cool uh, Femi, Femi, who and Femi should have a say in this because I think he is from up there in the Pacific Northwest and you know follows the Seahawks and the NFC West a little closer. He mentioned the Bills game as the turning point, and I have a hard time disagreeing there because if the offense, if you look at that one just from a, a standpoint of you know let's take a look at this this final score, it's like yeah oh, they they put up a decent showing there, but. I really like it didn't it didn't feel like a good showing, I guess. That was it was twenty-four second half points. Like that was twenty-four to ten at half. And the Bills really didn't do much in the third quarter. And you know, the the Seahawks comeback was just never quite there. Like they scored yep. a bunch in the second half and it really wasn't much. But yeah, that was like maybe that was kind of a turning point for Buffalo too, where it's like, oh man, Buffalo could just put up forty-four here. What what are we doing? Well and yeah. Josh Allen dropped uh, 415 on him that day. Yeah, that was the last game of the season um, that the Seattle Seahawks had 300 yards passing. How insane is that? <laughs> That's Good. wild. They did not Good even numbers. actually – they didn't actually even get close again <laughs> to 300. Their top passing production after that was 236 against the Jets. Um and they had some real bad ones in that mix too. Like their game against the Giants was just absolute garbage. Um, and uh, yeah, they did not get 300 yards passing. They only had 142 yards passing in the uh, playoff loss to the Rams. So <clears throat> uh, yeah, when your strength is your, you know, and this is, dude, they had some unbelievable output in the first half of the season through the air. I don't understand why they went away from it, but uh, we'll we'll never understand. Um <clears throat> Yeah, just go go the through their wins. Second from half there of the season. Out. Okay, there was a there, there was so many. There are so many complicating factors here too. Yes, because in the first half of the season they were playing a lot of really good offenses. Uh, they played the Falcons and the Cowboys. Obviously, the Vikings had a decent offense at the time. The Patriots had a healthy, you know, fresh arm Cam Newton in that game week two. Cardinals that we talked about. The Niners we you know the Bills we know. Um, and so it was they kind of had to play score for score football with a lot of those teams. And then in the, over the second half of the season, they played just absolute dog shit quarterbacks, just terrible quarterbacks. Down the, you know, they had golf twice. They had um, Wentz. They had Daniel Jones. They had Darnold and the jets. They had, uh, I can't remember who the Washington football team QB was week 15, probably Alex Smith. Might've um, been like, Alex Smith. Yeah. 
and they and they got who they have week uh, seventeen beat hard CJ beat hard. So you know you you really only had one game against any quarterback that finished in near the top half of the league, and that was your rematch against Kyler Murray in the Cardinals week eleven. Uh, and so like on paper, their defense looked really good because they were going up against really poor quarterback play. And so I think they basically just outsmarted themselves, which you know, spoiler alert, Pete Carroll is want to do outsmarting himself <laughs> and they changed their identity and we're like well hey look man our defense is playing great we're going to win on the back of uh, of solid defensive uh you know gamesmanship here and it was not a, the correct decision at all in my opinion and uh it really is why i think it's easy to look past these guys a little bit this year because you know that anytime you know Pete carroll gets his fingers involved in the offense then things could go sideways and it could happen <laughs> in the middle of the season and it could happen for the whole second half of the season at times, as we now know. So um, that is in the very much in the back of my head. And it is, I acknowledge that is probably the biggest, uh, the thing that that's a little spooky about this team is that Pete Carroll is still very actively involved. Um, and he and, does and not the, have, you, he, you know, he you... refuses to learn the lessons of analytics Twitter, which is especially insane because there analytics are so many Twitter. analytics Twitter Twitter people that are Seattle Seahawks diehards. So this is like this is like a personal hell for a lot of these people, which I find just absolutely in, in, in amazing. And did they beat Daniel Jones? They lost outright. <clears throat> and you know what? They did not lose to him either. That was the Colt McCoy game, which makes it oh, it was Colt more, McCoy even oh. more damning. Oh my god! <laughs> I had to go check that. that. Was I was Colt almost McCoy sure game. of it. Oh, yeah, the Colt yeah, yeah. McCoy game, which I mean, they they. They beat the ever living tar out of the Jets, and that feel good. But like the you know the Eagles at that point in the season, some of those games, it's like a, a lot of these shouldn't have been in doubt. And yeah, that was sh shocking. I guess that was kind of a shocking loss. I guess I would say that's that's a weird one. We went through a few of these with this division already, and you know the Jets game, they beat the tar out of Washington. They won. That's a tough place to play, especially Washington was kind of good. That was a good defense. Uh, the Rams, Niners, late. Both of those games probably closer than they should have been. I bet that I think the Rams Seahawks at 20 to nine game. I felt like I bet that and they did clinch the title there. So I'm not sure if game 17 meant anything. Um, I think if they win, they had a chance at the buy, but that's they true. Needed the they Packers did. They had to lose. The, the they Saints, had the Packers to the lose Packers to the Bears the to lose or something. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of, kind of a weird game, but yeah. And then, just like I said, they. Uh, this is a fun fact too. Highest scoring offense in Seattle Seahawks franchise history, which is how you get your offensive coordinator fired. <laughs> and I did, and it's a, it's a funny like oh that's a funny uh, dichotomy there, but no, that's like, insane. That's well, that's how damning his like oh this guy doesn't need to be here anymore you scored the most points ever in franchise history and you still were let go in january let's uh that's let's how bad they wanted to move on all right well we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta come back to that so put a pin in yeah. it um uh, but let's talk about wild card saturday january 9th where everything went sideways yeah. for these guys um 12 and 14 on the back of a relatively easy schedule as we mentioned um mm -hmm. a total that got absolutely blasted down so many people on the under there and it never really had a chance 50 points were scored the rams and john wolford i think or was it ended up being golf in that game i can't even remember the rams ended up scoring 30 points um 
Yeah. The there was some rumbling going into that game, coming out of that game, it got louder that there was sort of a book on Wilson. Do you recall this? Yeah, I think Goff and Wolford played now that I'm looking at it. I really Wolford think... started and he went out with an injury and then Goff. Came I think in yeah, remember was Goff was limited. like yeah. he dressed, but oh, Wolford like, got he hit could... in the head, right? He got yeah, popped. Yeah. Remember his head yeah. snapped so hard and and it was like Goff could play, but we don't want him to play. And then Wolford got hurt after like a quarter, and they're like, Oh no, Goff is in, and he still lost to that team. Yeah, but it felt like after that game, a lot of people were like, oh, Brandon Staley knows exactly what to do to defend Seattle. Like, he's got the book on him, right? He's got the book on Wilson. You play the, you, you play your safeties high uh, and, you know, you take away the deep ball and he's not going to pick you apart with the short intermediate stuff. He's just not. That's not the type of quarterback he is. Um, and a lot of people were using that over the second half of the season. So, you know, it was sort of a perfect storm of, you know, you were shooting yourself in the foot in terms of changing your scheme, but also teams did have a little bit of a read on how to properly defend you. DK Metcalf is a straight line guy, or at least he was, maybe he'll be a little bit more dynamic this year. Tyler Lockett was hurt. That mattered a lot. I thought Lockett always unlocked the best of Russell Wilson throughout his career to this point. So that was a, that was a huge, huge, small thing that went unnoticed. Um, and then, yeah, we get to the offseason and uh, Schottenheimer gets fired. And this is something that people were clamoring for for a long time before last year where he did sort of the pieces all fell into place. But then he regressed so, so aggressively over the second half of the season. And in the moment that Schottenheimer got fired and what you heard kind of swirling of you know, quotes from Pete, quotes from Russ, uh, you know, lots of, you know, uh, you know, he got fired because his vision for how he wanted to run the offense, which was the correct vision, was not what Pete Carroll wanted to do. And it, like in that moment, I'm sitting there reading this stuff and I'm just like, well, I can't get involved with this team like that. They're actively moving the wrong direction. Like, you know, like they're literally moving on from like you said, they moved on from the guy that got had them score the most points in franchise history. They are moving on from the guy that literally unlocked what you wanted to see from Russell Wilson over the first eight games of the season. Um, and they're, you know, they, that my thought was, Hey, they're going to hire a guy who sucks and who is going to do what P, a yes, man, a Pete Carroll. Yes, man. Who is going to establish the run at all costs. And he was going to drive this offense, uh, over a cliff. That was like my gut at the time. Did you yeah. have the same reaction? I've, I I actually kind of went a different way with it. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I also went and said, maybe they should get rid of this guy. Cause he didn't have the balls to stand up to Pete Carroll and say, look what we did over the first five weeks. Why would we regress from that? Like, and again, if they went and hired a yes man, we're fucked. We're gonna find out pretty quick on that. But I like some of the, I like some of the stuff we saw in the preseason, and you don't traditionally see the whole kit and caboodle in the preseason. So, if it turns out to be, uh, you know, a dynamic offense like we saw in the first part of last season, and this guy actually has the cojones to, you know, tell Pete Carroll, a coach of over a decade, that this is. Either we're running the offense this way, or maybe I just hit the road and figure something else out. Because why would we stop doing this? We're going to score 550 points this year. Like, just it's it's silly. And again, this is this is the only offensive change that really mattered to me this offseason. There was a little bit, you know, a little bit of here and there with player personnel, but really they they only made three picks in the entire draft. 
and you know, I, I, I could do, we could do the changes for like in 13 seconds. I mean, in fact, I'm going to do it. They added a backup tight end. They added a backup DL. They got Gabe Zach, Jack, uh, Gabe Jackson, fired Schottenheimer, brought in Waldron. That's it. They made three three picks in the draft further down. They you know lost uh, some higher picks with some again decent trades with the Jets and some other players or just other teams. But that's kind of all they did. And the only thing that really matters is if Waldron works and is able to assert himself and let this offense breathe like it did early or if he's just shoddy too and then so i don't know what would you what do you think happens like because i i'm leaning towards your way that it like why would why would they hire someone who would do the exact same schottenheimer was doing just more effectively like you know what i'm gonna go hire somebody who who has more of a backbone and, and really wants to disagree with me after we fired the last guy for philosophical differences. I get it, but <laughs> you know, maybe the guy just interviewed well and he's, he's going to come in and, and you know, maybe it's a honey and a honey and vinegar thing where there's a way to approach Bill, Bill Parcells, Jesus, Pete Carroll. Wow. If they had the same tree. Why did I, why did I go there? But if there's a way to they approach Bill Patriots Carroll coaches before Bill, yeah, they there you go. There you go. If there's a way to approach this with Parcells, my God, Pete Carroll, and convince him, and maybe just Schottenheimer didn't have that sort of people skills to make it or convince him or show him the numbers or something. That's the that's how this offense succeeds because they have so much talent. They have so much talent, but um, it's just yeah. If they if they do this again and we just revert back to establishing the run with all the running backs, they always accumulate things are going to go bad. Yeah. Okay. I completely agree with you. My general read on the Shane Waldron hiring is uh, I, it's interesting that you picked somebody who was in division. Um, maybe, you know, guy who was privy to some of the Rams prep <laughs> when they uh, put together the game plan that thoroughly stumped you in the playoffs. Um, that would be interesting to know. Um, my, it, it's, it's crazy that we're sitting here. Pete Carroll has been an, uh, a head coach in the NFL for 11 years. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one. Um, you know, he's an accomplished co- coach at the collegiate level on top of being, you know, a, having a successful tenure here at Seattle. All he does is win double digit games every year. Like all that is fine and true and fair. And I, he has his strengths. He absolutely can coach up. Uh, defensive players, particularly in the secondary. He gets better than replacement level play out of guys at that position generally. Um, But it is insane to me that you go hire an offensive coordinator like Shane Waldron, and he has two jobs. One is actually running a plus EV offense, and the other is keeping Pete Carroll happy and off of his back from the way he's doing that. And that's insane to me that this is the world you live in where you have to basically placate your boss by giving him, uh, you know, a little bit of minus EV stuff, <laughs> like that's crazy. Yeah, let's that's feed him a are. little. Here, oh man, I need to yeah. give him some. It, it, it reminds me, it, my head Here's went a to like run, a, run a pass, pitcher uh, for you. Yeah, you yeah. you get an O2 count, you got to waste one. Like uh, I'm gonna yes. waste one, see if he'll chase. It's the same thing. Like, all right, we've had a couple really efficient pass plays with some motion and some misdirection. I should run right up the gut off guard into a stacked box to appease my coach. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy that that's where we're at, but that is where we're at. And I mean, it, you know, everything I've heard from Waldron to this point in the preseason, in terms of the quotes we're getting out of it, hearing from Seattle beat reporters suggests that 
he is incorporating wrinkles that Schottenheimer did not that are going to be absolutely huge for this offense. Notably, pre-snap motion. Notably, more, more. Give we need we need as much uh, Russ on play action as humanly fucking possible, and we don't have to establish the run to do it. Like you know, those if we see more, that type of stuff early and often for the Seahawks team, I am going to be ecstatic. And I think they are going to be an extremely, extremely tough, uh, tough team to look past in the NFC if we're getting that. You know, if I we're too, not, but I'm going to have last yeah. year stuck in my head. Yeah, I'm going to be the back so of your head ecstatic. the whole time. Yeah, of course. In the back of my head, I'm going to be thinking about last year where it's like, oh my god, this team is never like in my mind. I'm like, this offense legitimately could go undefeated. Like this offense is just so dynamic at times. Like they could beat everybody. This is such a fun team, and then. Yeah, I'm going to have that in the back of my head. Like, man, fool me once. Like, oh, man, like, oh, man, she's changed. I'm taking her back. And then you forget about the last time. So, yeah, the, the new know, offense. Man. The new offense really is the old offense. Just hopefully it's the old offense of weeks one through five. And, yeah, outside of that, I mean, just looking at depth charts and stuff, not anything that really changed of – of real consequence. I like their offensive the line ad, addition of a guard. Yeah, yeah the G- Gabe Jackson like thing. Gabe. That's a that's a nice move to shore up probably an already decent offensive line. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the the running back stuff doesn't matter. They've proven that they can pretty much plug in everyone back there and get mediocre results. But yeah, Lockett Medcalf and this rookie, uh, he's kind of flat. I, you know, I made fun of him not picking much, but they did sure. have a second round pick. They got a, a kid from the Mac, Dwayne Eskridge. He flashed That's a couple crazy. times in preseason. If that works out and some of the, because you don't have a, you don't have a ton of depth. You have some tight end depth now with a couple guys, but yeah, if you, if you're, if your wide receiver depth is where it is, you need the, the strengths of it to work out. But yeah, they, uh, I think they went and got, I might even be looking at, oh yeah, I'm looking at 2020. I was looking back at last year's roster, last year's roster, because I seen their their lead tight end was um, Craig Olson there. Like, well, that's not, no, that's not gone. right. No, yeah. it's Will Disley. And then they, Disley, they no, did yeah. bring in, uh, they did bring in someone else to uh, Gerald Everett, I think was, yeah, Gerald Everett. And they have another one too. And Colby Parkinson. So, a bunch of tight ends, but yeah, wide receiver depth is kind of stuck with Will Disley. Is he still? Yeah, oh, he's Will Disley is TE1. Yeah. What, what were you going Freddie wide Swain? Receiver depth? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Kinsey? No, the, the wide receiver depth is a huge problem. Stinks. Huge problem. Huge problem. Oh, Penny Freddie Hart. Swain, Cody Thompson, Penny, Penny Hart. No, no, no. Um, I don't know if other guys are even those. I don't know if those other guys are even going to make the team. Um, yeah, if something happens to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you are in deep trouble because those guys are the the gap between those guys and their replacements is absolutely monumental. Um, yeah, and similarly, they have some <laughs> issues on the defense. Um, you know, they're definitely. Uh, there are definitely weaknesses. There are definitely holes here. Obviously, you still have Bobby Wagner, who is all universe, uh, kind of captaining this unit. So you're going to, in general, they should be good. Carlos Dunlap still expected to make an impact, probably. 
uh, from yeah. a pastor standpoint, that was a decent trade you made last season. Um, obviously, you trade your future capital for Jamal Adams, and then you give Jamal Adams a massive contract. You had to uh, after you made the trade, but you gave up way too much to get him in the first place, in my opinion. And he's, uh, he's a dynamic. He can create pressure. He's a pressure creator. No question about that. You'll get some uh, some nice moments, some nice highlights out of him from a pressure standpoint, but his coverage skills are somewhat lacking, uh, which means you're going to need Trey Flowers and Akilah Witherspoon to really kick ass in the coverage department this year. Um, and again, not a lot of depth there. There's, I don't, you know, if you're seeing lots of snaps of Trey Brown and John Reed and DJ Reed and Will Sutherland, we got a problem. Um, so first, your first, your wide receiver one and two, your cornerback one and two must stay healthy, must, or else this is a huge, huge, uh, you know, huge downgrade in those units specifically. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that. I talked about the, uh, you know, a lot of things that disappointed me off the bat and then said they still won 12 games. 12 they still games, had a great year. They yeah. still went to the playoffs. They didn't go very far, but they did this without their 12th man. Like that's true. That you have so, not only not only the advantage of how loud that stadium gets, but it is a uh, outside of the division uh, for a lot of anybody who's not in the division or like the Chargers. This is a long travel spot for a lot of people. So sure nasty is. travel spot plus nasty fans. So we we'd be remiss if we didn't talk on home field advantage just a little bit. It should return, especially for some of these dome teams. We're expected to see, you know, Minnesota, Seattle, New Orleans, who might not play all their games in the dome now that we're looking at the weather. And um, yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, how much are you, uh, is it big enough to actually make an impact on your power ratings into yeah. this season? It is. I think it's, um, it's, they're at the top for point. me. I mean, they're at the top and they always will be. Um, you know, they get, especially in a primetime game, they get a hell of a lot out of that crowd. Uh, and um, they put the flag up. Mm. They put the, yeah, they have the big, they have the big uh, 12. Yeah. The big 12, the thing at the beginning of the game gets everybody fired up. That's, that's big. Um, I'm at two and a half points for them for home field advantage on, on average over the course of the season. And uh, that's about the top. That's about as much as I can concede at, without more evidence of what HFA may be like. Uh, until we get into some actual results. So um, yeah. I think it's going to be big. And actually, we should pivot right to schedule because I think it's going to matter in the divisional race. Uh, they would it, would, it, would it surprise you to see that they're the expected, the main two expected challengers for defending their NFC West title are the Rams and the Niners. You agree? That's what the market thinks, at least? I mean, if I had to rank the three teams that could do it, I would rank those two ahead of Arizona. But yeah, and if, yeah, and yeah, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say if you got two games on your schedule and you wanted them to be in primetime, would you put the game you're hosting the Rams and the game you're hosting the Niners so that you get the home field advantage impact on those two games? That would be good. Did that happen? It did happen. It, it did, did happen. happen. Oh, Week five, Thursday night football. Thursday the Rams come football. to Seattle. And then week 13, Sunday night football, the Niners come to Seattle. 
So you do not have to play on the road in division in primetime. Your two main opponents to win this title do. And I think that's pretty important, ultimately. Um, if those are higher likelihood to win those two games, that's massive for uh, you know for you getting this this uh, division title in a very competitive NFC West. I I think that might be enough to tilt the balance in your favor. To be honest with you, um, yeah. you know it's it's uh, their road games in prime time. They got to go at Washington and they got to go at Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh. That's not bad. So you're basically the West Coast team on the East Coast in primetime. I'd always love that. I always love time that. Time to spot. acclimate. Yeah. I, I love, love that. <clears throat> uh, only two clocks on this schedule compared to, say, the Arizona Cardinals five. Uh, only two of the games you have to go East, you're forced to play early. One of them is week one at Indianapolis. So you're getting one of them out of the way or right off the bat. The other one is at Houston where you're going to win by multiple touchdowns anyway. Yeah. So who the hell and, cares? And do remember that we put these charts together with the original lines of being season. So not only every time anybody plays Green Bay, we have to mention that because oh, the sure. Green Bay line was the halfway between Rodgers and Love, but also the Indy line. I don't think there's um, – I don't know if there's ever been as much wreck money on one team in week one, two weeks before the season than has come in on Seattle. And I'm not even like saying it's wreck money because it's dumb money. Like just as soon as the wins and the volume, uh, yeah. well, just the volume of like, I did, I, my Twitter feed was just a, a wall of people. Well, I'm going to bet the Seahawks right now. So, I mean, that line is clearly moved and with all the bad luck India's had, I don't blame them. That might be a, but, you know, the situation is a East Coast early start for him. But, man, with the bad luck we've had in uh, Colts land, that might not be such a tough game after all. They play two teams off the bye. Patrick mentioned a pretty, pretty easy landing with Chicago and Detroit at home, presumably both eliminated from the playoffs. Maybe Chicago still in it if they're surprising. And then the Cameron Turner-led Arizona Cardinals on the road to close the season to just end out there, you know, 6-11 and 11 season there. Interesting. So kind of nice soft landing outside of the, you know, the, the Rams game is – so after the bye, the Green Bay game, the Rams game, and San Fran at home. Those are your toughies. If you get two yeah, out of those three, I, do you win the I division? Mean, yeah. Ultimately, this the travel that they are asked to do, which is usually among the most onerous because of where they are and <laughs> geographically. This year's not bad, honestly. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, they don't have long trips on week two of back to backs. Really, um, they don't. They do have to play. Yeah, week two of back to back. You are on the road against the Rams and the Niners, which I guess obviously is not ideal. Um, but uh, those are at least shorter trips, you know, um, which matters. The um, three out of their first four on the road uh, is a little tough, but that means you just ha end up having a decent amount of your home games middle of the season there where, you know, maybe you want them. So that's interesting. Um, the back-to-back -back weeks where they are playing a team with extra rest off their bye is also tricky. Uh, they get a Monday night football home game against the Saints. Saints coming off the bye. Um However, you know, it's Monday night football game, so you get an extra day of rest as well. You know, that's not that's not the worst thing. Uh, similarly, then the next week they roll out and they're playing the Jags off their bye. 
I don't know if that really matters much. Again, the Jags are coming to you anyway. Um, so not, 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 a not the worst spot in, you know, in oh. general. And, uh, uh, realistically, I think, um, I think this is going to be a pretty, uh, uh, a pretty likely, uh, season where they can get into the 11 wins comfortably. And it's Chances, coin flippy. Yeah. yeah, it's coin flippy if they're 12, 13, 14, honestly, in my opinion. Probability that week 15 at LA gets um, flexed. Oh, that's look, actually interesting. I know. I'm going to say it's low. Not, you know why? It's low because the Rams will be good. I, and Stafford probably be out. Stafford will be out for the season with some weird injury. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm just trying to look at like they don't if it's not that they don't have like a late season flex game because the best I don't know when that's flex true. starts but the the, that's the, true. the only good game in the second half of their season is already in Sunday Night Football they we're God not going to I and I love they Seattle win their Sunday last Night Football because Seattle is the stupidest stupidest team when it comes to just having weird ass games like I don't who is it? I think it's somebody over at the Ringer says like. That tweet, like Seattle has never played a normal game. I wish the San, and again, I wish the San Fran game was week 18 because I think that'll be for the division if it yeah, were. Yeah, the week 13 like, game. This yeah. is for our 14th win. <clears throat> God damn, dude. Their last five are all so winnable. Was it Femi who brought up the soft landing? That This landing, the last five. Yeah, Patrick, well, even just the, the last three. Man, like, oh, man. You can lose that Rams game and Ooh. still probably win the division depending on. Just having Houston, Chicago, and Detroit. Having Houston, Chicago, and Detroit at the end of your schedule, you gotta love that. You love that. Love to see. Good that. question. Good question. I'm gonna. I hate to call him other Patrick, but I'm going to because I just did. But good question. Any chance they're overrated week eight after three straight weeks of prime time? I think it could go either way. Like if uh, if they underperform on those prime time games, you know, you could be underrated. But I mean, he does bring up a good point as far as like when a team is on national television that much how they do is amplified extra in the market. So maybe a good place to attack them if you feel like they are being underrated or overrated based off those results. Hmm. That is a great point. That is a very good point. Um, especially if the Jags don't look great heading into their buy and they come out and you're getting just a gobble points there week eight. <laughs> that might be a yeah. good time to try to sell high on some Seahawks. Um, this is my general feeling for this team. And we can look at the odds and, and see if we can figure out the right way to to marry these two thoughts. Super Bowl twenty five to one is disrespectful. That's insane. Russell Wilson is a top five QB in this league, and it's unarguable fact. Twenty five to one for a top five QB is is banana land. Uh, Ten to one to win the NFC is banana land. Uh, this team is absolutely in the tier of likely contenders um and it's going to take major injuries to their skill position players quarterback or corner cornerbacks to change my opinion on that to win the nfc west plus 240 not quite as much as i would have looked i, I saw some plus 275s floating around last week and i yeah. would have had an itchy trigger finger for it i didn't play it i went instead with a alt over on their win total and i'll make the case for that in a second to make the playoffs, yes, minus 130, no is plus 105. And their regular season win total, it's nine and a half, it's 10 at some places. Right now at win bet, the over nine and a half is minus 150, under is plus 120. Now, I played over 11 and I got almost two to one. 
on that. Do you think that was a better play than NFC West at plus 275? I'd rather have it than NFC West because I think they can win 12 games and finish two games behind the Niners in some iterations. (laughs) That was exactly my thought process. There's a lot of of scenarios where they – lose this division in a tiebreaker or by a game and they have like 12 wins because there's yeah. some talent and there are some people that even and there's not there's scenarios where Stafford works out and then you have three-way talent but I would prefer the NFC uh the NFC number I might have the NFC to win the NFC on two teams in this division spoiler alert I mean it's the Niners but uh, to make the playoffs, to make the playoffs minus one thirty feels actually light. I feel like that's probably happening closer to sixty five percent of the time. Yeah, and same. then yeah, if you do play a win total, play at least over a flat ten. So yeah, I, list I, I for me, the, list for me quarterbacks in the NFC who are better than Russell Wilson. I mean, there's one. He lives in Appleton. That's probably Aaron it. Rogers. Like Rogers, Rod Rogers played if he plays. <laughs> near the level he played last year he's better um tom brady it's hard to tell just because he has better so playoff much quarterback. talent yeah. he's so much talent around him he he's, did beat russell Wilson Russ. head to head in a super bowl so i think you got to give it to him there yeah i'll get i'll give it brady is close but he's older and he is just a sick fucking roster God. oh yeah everything um and then just great. like maybe uh lance that's it <laughs> close on that huh? no i think that's i think that's correct i think aaron Rodgers, and honestly aaron Rodgers for a lot of last year i would have taken russell wilson over aaron Rodgers. it was really only the end of the season where you you know where rogers was throttling teams and wilson was an afterthought that it was clear that you know rogers was better um but uh, i'm giving it some serious thought between those two guys if i'm taking nfc north quarterbacks in a draft uh, to start a franchise. So um, I guess one sort of last kind of weird issue. So anyway, I, I played over 11. I got two to one. I think it's a good play. I think the alt win over for Seattle is a good angle of attack. Um, and I think this team is, uh, is going to make you look good because they are going to win a lot of games down the stretch, as we talked about. And then they are going to get punked in the playoffs. Doesn't it have that whiff, man? Doesn't a playoff punking at the hands of a bad Pete Carroll decision feel like the right way the book ends for these guys this season? Sweep Isn't that the, the last Niners. Chapter? Sweep the Niners. And then lose the, the division as, yeah. by a game. And you know, you you you, you sweep the division. And okay. even if you win the division, if you sweep the division, the you're like fifteen and two, probably. Yeah. Realistically. All right. If you win, split with the Niners, sweep. maybe, and yeah. lose. Man, they might lose one weird one to like Arizona. That just feels like it's a thing that always happens. So, I don't know. Yeah, it, it does feel like a team that runs into you know uh, Niners, Green Bay, Tampa in the playoffs and loses. They lose. No, you know what? They lose like a game like the Monday Night Football game at Washington or something because they go in and they're like, "Oh my God, we're so scared of this defensive line. We're gonna have to run the ball and run the ball." And so they crafted just a god awful game plan and just just stink against Washington. Um, but no, no, I think I think this team. You think they? You think they? Uh, yeah. Well, I think the the second weekend of the playoffs, this team gets punked, either at home or on the road, because of a bad game plan. 
Yeah. Might even come at the hand of the I Packers. Could be Green matchup. Bay. Yeah, could be Green Bay. Might, yeah, shoot, man. If you might be in a bad situation where you have to go to Green Bay week one of the playoffs because uh, your division is so competitive between you and the Niners. Um, yeah, ultimately, this is going to be a great regular season team and a team that I really want nothing to do with when it comes to the playoffs. That's my same thought. as it ever was. Same as it ever was. And we zoom in on the picture, Jack Nicholson, yes. who is at that uh, at that New Year's party all those years ago at the beginning of the show. Oh, that's a great, that's a great call. Um, all right, hey, uh, uh, question Only one for you. more of these. Shoot, I know, I, I got, I got one real serious question about the Seahawks. I got to ask you though. What uh, if we're kind of same as it ever was with this team? How do they fix that? What do they do? Like what? Like if you're John, if you're what's his name, Schneider? If you're John Schneider. The hell do you do? Your buddy, you're you're thick as thieves with Pete Carroll. If he's the if he's ultimately the problem, what's the solution? No, he, here? He, yeah, he may he makes it through the year. Like they're they're going to be good enough. He makes it. it doesn't it, it, you can know what this problem is and still keep it around. Somebody's making fun of my flex. It was a big yawn into like a half flex. So. <laughs> um, and yeah, Femi. Oh man, Femi's not going to be here for the finale. We're going to have to just talk a bunch of shit about. Oh, it's going to be a good uh, one. Picks, but yeah, the PS for him missed the playoffs. He says, "Yeah, so, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think Pete, Pete. Pete is. And somebody Patrick brings up Pete's damn near seventy. So I, yeah, you just wait him out by attrition. But like at, it's one of those at, things where you just, oh, just wait, shit, waiting man. for him to go away. So Russell Wilson never wins. You an can't MVP. win Russell fourteen games this year. If you win 14 games and lose your first playoff game, you don't fire a guy. You just if, be like, oh, it's a tough Green Bay game. He lost to a Hall of Famer and Tom Brady or, or you know, Aaron Rodgers. You can't fire him. He lost to a Hall of if Famer. Ruff, if Russell Wilson's only ever Super Bowl is his second season, is that a failure? Yeah. I mean, you could have you we could we are we are on the cusp, actually, of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, each only winning one Super Bowl with their respective teams. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. Un, uh, that would be mind blowing. I guess. Yeah. T- Peyton Manning only with, win one with the Colts. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, Not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers forever tied with Brad Johnson for Super Bowl wins. Trent Dilfer. <laughs> Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. That's right. Elite quarterbacks. Um, Jim McMahon. Yeah. Oh, my God. Who was the, who was the third Redskin? I can say Redskins because it was that long ago. It was Doug Williams, Joe Theismann. I feel like it was three different quarterbacks. Mark Rippon. Mark, Mark Rippon. Rippon. Thank you. Oh, God. It's giving me heebie With the posse, man. The, Mark Rippon with the posse. Thinking about the Denver one again. All right. Let's – this is – Let's cut. Let's cut the viewers loose for the night. We'll uh, meet back here Wednesday. Okay, sounds good, man.